Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. All right, guys, strapping in today. This is a hell of an episode. I'm sitting down with hopefully soon to be maximum cover model, um, Rachel Greenbaum. And let me tell you, we have some fun conversations. This girl's had a badass life and one hell of a journey. Um, in in you know, she's got the look, she's got the attitude, she's got the the spunk and the fire in her. You're gonna freaking love this episode. And as always, this show is brought to you by Point Blank Safety Services. Stacey McGovern and her team over there taking care of our Texas freeways, all of our construction sites, making sure everybody gets home safe by employing uh, police officers in their off-duty times. These guys are, you know, the cars you see on the side of the freeways with their lights on and everything else. That is most likely Stacy's company out there. And they're ensuring those, those, not only do we all get home safe, but with that, we stay safe in, in the process. So if you're looking for safety, security, active, duty, active shooter training for your companies, your business, your projects, your assets, check out pointblanksafety.com. Promise you, you can't go wrong with them. And then let me tell you about Icy Tech coolers, man. These are the coolest coolers on the face of the earth. Not only do they keep your stuff just cool as hell, but they're rugged. They 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 will take a rough and tumble. And I mean, if they can handle my group and parties and the friends and the things that we do and still keep on running uh, and doing what they're doing, keeping things cold, you're not going to find a better cooler in the marketplace. So go to icy-tech.com and... Use the word, which is my affiliate link, use the word success when you check out and you'll get $25 off of your next cooler purchase. That's icy-tech.com. Use the code success when you check out and you'll get $25 off your next purchase. Now let's jump into Rachel Greenbaum. Dude, I'm telling you, have fun with this one, boys. All right, guys, going to be another killer episode. I'm bringing on a badass. I'm bringing on Rachel Greenbaum. And she was introduced to me from a friend named Allie Boone. You guys have heard on the episode before. You know, Allie was a badass, did all the real estate stuff, did down into prison stuff. Um, and she reached out to me and said, I've got to meet Rachel. I've got to get her on the show. So Rachel and I had some smart-ass conversations back and forth via Facebook Messenger. I'm like, okay, I've got to give this to go. So here we go, guys. It's going to be a fun round. Miss Rachel Greenbaum, welcome to the show. Tell us Thank your story. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Donnie. Thank <laughs> you. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Um, well, I'm not really sure exactly where to start, actually. but uh, So you were born when? No, I'm kidding. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Way back in the day. Right, right. Uh, in a so. town called Hollywood, Florida. Um, <laughs> Is there Hollywood, a town called Hollywood, Florida? There is. It's outside of Fort Lauderdale. I'll be damn. I was born in Clearwater, so um, <laughs> small damn world. Okay. I have no memory of it. I left when I was two. Oh, I left when I was three months old. So, you know, we could be related at this point. We no. could be. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you are into all kinds of cool, cool things. We were just talking about a little bit. How did this all start? You know, 
Well, um, I, I spent my entire life growing up um, moving around quite a bit, and especially more in, in my adult life. And some of it was circumstance, and some of it was my own choosing. Um, so I've always had a bit of a travel bug, and that that got me interested in photography. Uh, I lived in France for a year when I was in college and took some really amazing photos with a really crappy little point and shoot. <laughs> um, and that's eventually what led me to go to photography school, um, get my bachelor's degree in journalism. And while I was there, I did experience some pretty cool things. I actually filmed um, in Israel. I, I went over with the intention of making a documentary on peaceful life in Israel because I'd been three times. I'd always felt it very safe. You know, they're, they have a different way of living. And I, I wanted to show that even though they live in a war-torn country, they still are just regular people like you and I, they go to work, they go to school, you know, they have friends, they, they yes, they have bomb shelters in their basements, but they're, they're just like you and I. And um, when I got over there, a series of events happened um, that ended us up uh, in the middle of a war when Hezbollah attacked Israel uh, from Lebanon in 2006. Mm. So my, my storyline changed pretty quickly, but I also had to make a decision, you know, do I, I just had to leave uh, town to get out of rocket range. Um, do I do that and stay safe and continue with the story that I had written a treatment on or do I stay and uh, potentially risk injury or, or death? Um, and, and get the, the story. And uh, I decided that that's what I was there to do. And uh, I stayed for two and a half weeks until my plane ticket said I was coming home. And I filmed that war for two and a half weeks. Mm, wow. So, so you were over there documenting the peace side of things when all hell breaks loose, which all my veteran listeners that are out there can totally relate to, um, and made a gutsy choice. Why? such a ballsy move. I mean, cause most people, I mean, I understand that from somewhat of the journalist, you got to get the story, the juicier, the details, the more people will read your stuff, but you know, really putting it all on the line when you don't have to, why? Well, I, I, w I was a student and I, I had a friend with me and uh, she and I made the decision together. Um, we were both very passionate about, what we were doing and uh, we were very passionate about telling the story as it was and both of us were a little bit younger and <laughs> maybe a little bit dumber than we are today but um, I mean it's none of my business were you really close to your family at that time yes um, so what was that phone call like home <laughs> when you you know all hell's breaking loose and you're calling home to mom and dad and saying hey by the way you know just so you know well, yeah. that's, uh, that's kind of funny that you asked that, actually, because I had uh, spoken to my mother and you know, originally I was on a, a, what they call a birthright Israel trip. And it's a trip that's designed and paid for um, for Jews mm -hmm. between the ages of 18 and 26. If they're Jewish and they've never been on a group trip together uh, before to Israel, they pay for it. Um, so I qualified and that's what took me to Israel. And mm -hmm. I stayed later because it was $50 to change your ticket. So I would just stay and travel. <laughs> Yeah, it was a no-brainer. Right, right. Um, but I had just spoken to my mother, and she said, your aunt um, was telling me that there's there's some nasty stuff going on uh, in Gaza and was concerned about you. And I told her, oh, Rachel would never, would never go there. 
And I was literally there <laughs> telling right. her, you're right, mama, I never would. And uh, I totally lied to her, okay? Right, I, I right, didn't right. lie to her, I hung up the phone and I thought, you know what, I, I, better, I better call my, my brother um, so that somebody at least knows where I am and the reality of the situation. So I, I made that phone call and uh, was actually a little bit surprised at um, how, I guess negatively is the right word to say that. Uh, Pissed my, off. Yeah, my older <laughs> brother reacted. He was trying to tell me what to do and to get on a plane and to come back. And yeah, what the hell are you thinking? I, I can imagine, you know, I don't have a sister, but if she was in a situation and I got that phone call, you damn right she would have gotten every piece of my mind to get the hell out of there. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he definitely had uh, things to say. Especially, you know, being a military guy with a military background. I mean, if you're in military service, yeah, gun down range, right? Totally. But but if you're there on volunteering and your only protection is a camera and a pen and paper, get the hell out of there. <laughs> you have no business being in that, you know. So I, I can imagine what that, that conversation was like. <laughs> So did he tell your mom? Um, no, it was, uh, I eventually told her myself, but it was closer to the tail end of me. Everything. Going back. Crazy ass. <laughs> so you spend two weeks in this mess. Mm-hmm. Um, that had to be a very eye-opening experience, and we ain't going to go into the details. But, but uh, you had to learn a lot, and then you come home. How much did that change you? Um, as far as the path you took for a good part of the next journey of your life? It was very a substantial point in my life. Um, I learned a lot about myself, um, absolutely. And when I came back, you know, I was still a student. I I wasn't getting paid to cover that story. Um, Y'all hear that? That's how crazy she was, just for the record. You know, when I came back, it uh, it's it's amazing how a certain car door slam at the right pitch sounds just like a Katusha rocket hitting. Right. And, uh, I, I would hit the floor um, for a couple of weeks, actually, after I got back. It was uh, it was an interesting transition. Um, and I it, I've always appreciated um, the service, um, but it, it really opened my eyes in a lot of ways because it, it took me a good couple weeks to be able to, I, I didn't feel like I was the same species as, mm. as the people I was in school with. And, you know, a lot of people were, were talking shit. Can I swear? On yeah, of course. Um, swear. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were talking shit uh, to me and my, my friend who had just come back and they thought we were walking around like we were better than everybody else because we'd filmed this war. Um, and really she and I, we didn't see it that way at all. We just, I couldn't relate um, to these stupid problems. Like, you know, <laughs> the things people were- upset You know about. what, every veteran that I know that listens to this show is laughing at the moment. Cause this is the exact freaking problem we all run into, you know, um, I never served in any sort of the wars and everything, but a lot of my buddies did. And and when they come back, you, you don't know how to acclimate. Nobody understands you. Um, I don't really hear this from a reporter's standpoint. So this was very, very interesting, but I can tell you all the veterans listening are laughing their ass off because it's the same experience. And unless you've been through it, you just don't flip and understand it. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, That's crazy. 
I ended up uh, not pursuing journalism in the long run um, for several reasons, actually. Uh, one of which is the brother that I just told you about uh, who gave me the reaming for not coming home when he told me to. Uh, unfortunately and unexpectedly uh, passed away mm, right after I graduated. Um, and uh, it, that definitely changed my path because I moved back to Texas to spend some time with my mother to help her get through it and to frankly heal myself. And um, at that time, everybody I went to school with was getting their portfolios out. Um, you know, they were getting jobs lined up and I just didn't care about anything, to be honest. I, I um, took back a waitressing job, a bartending job to bring some money in. And um, that's actually when I started doing Krav Maga, which is, you know, as you know, the official tactics of the Israeli military. Which is the opposite of what happens with most of us that went through the bartending thing, because you went to Krav Maga, we crawled into a bottle, you know, because the lifestyle that comes with bartending. Absolutely. What made you get into Krav Maga? I mean, was it a whim or? Um, well, a couple things. I Or was it a dude? <laughs> it was not a dude. <laughs> All right, cool. Enough. <laughs> Fair question. Right, right. right. Um, I... Uh, Let's see. So while I was in college, while I was uh, in journalism school, okay, let me rewind. I started teaching a heavy bag kickboxing class right after I got back from France. Um, okay. when I was living there when I was 18 and 19. So I started teaching that and it was strictly for fitness. And then when I was in college uh, in, in Ventura, California, I started taking a Muay Thai class and that was the first time I actually got into a ring. It was the first time I was sparring anybody. And one of the boxing trainers approached me and said, you know, you've been doing this for a while, haven't you? And I said, yes. And he said, have you ever thought about fighting? And I said, not really. Um, and he said, well, you should consider it. I, uh, I think you're good. And uh, at that point in time, I was, you know, in college full time. I was basically waitressing full time and I had my Muay Thai class and that kept me quite busy. So I, I kind of not really blew them off, but I, I didn't take them seriously. And uh, fast forward, I thought, hey, this guy wasn't asking me for anything. And funnily enough, his name, or at least he went by Rocky. <laughs> um, yeah. So the irony. I went back to him and I said, you know what, you, you weren't asking me for anything. Like maybe you just see some talent in me. I'd love to work with you. And so I started working with him and he convinced me that I needed to go compete at the U S women's nationals boxing championship. And that was in 2004. So this was two years before the war that I just described. Right. Right. Um, so <laughs> I trained with him a little while. Uh, at that point in time, women's boxing wasn't taken all that seriously. I didn't have to qualify to go to nationals. I just had to have a coach and wanted to go. So I went to nationals. That was the first bout I've ever had. Uh, it was the first time I ever stepped into a ring with a female um, was at nationals. Because you'd always uh, been sparring with guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep which in a way gave me a little bit of a false sense of security, quite honestly, because none of Right, because they weren't, I mean, not intentionally, but they were holding back somewhat, you know, the process, yeah. Five foot two and, you know, <laughs> 115 is what I'll say right now. 
Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then now you're stepping in a ring with another girl who's got nothing to lose. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, she, so Rocky convinced me to go to nationals. I, I went to nationals the day before I had everything set up. It was in Spokane, Washington. Um, the day before my fight, he said, Oh, one of my pro fighters got a fight in Vegas and I'm not going to go with you. And I was like, Oh, great. <laughs> what do you mean? This is your idea. Like this was your idea. And he was like, sorry. And, uh, so I was pretty disappointed, but one other female who was, uh, in a totally different weight class than me, but, um, she was going with her coach. So I went with her coach and it, it ended up being a great experience. I, Lost my fight on a technicality in the second round. Um, That's what everybody says when they lose. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay to say you got your ass whooped. No, I'm kidding. kidding. Well, no, you know, it was definitely a learning experience. That that woman that I fought, um, she had 26 fights at that point in time, which uh, I was told was equivalent to a man having about 70 because it was harder for women to get fights. Hmm. Um, I had zero and it's a point-based system. So she knew I was, uh, you know, green. Rookie, yeah. Yeah. And she tried to kill me, Uh, (laughs) She really did. but she, she didn't knock me out. And, you know, I watched all of her other fights. She didn't come after anybody else the way she came after me. Uh, but at the end she had me sign her gloves and I told my, my stand-in coach, I was like, I think I just signed her loser glove. (laughs) (laughs) She's hanging that one on. That's still on her wall. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) she laughed at me, said, no, that's a sign of respect. She found you a worthy opponent. uh, (laughs) You know, I had an interesting conversation with her in the bathroom. Um, But uh, the truth is they changed the rules um, because, like I said, it wasn't taken that seriously back then. Yeah, because the truth be told, I mean, to get a national fight like that, if, if there had been, you know, a ranking system, had there been, you know, an actual chart, you know, that people go by, you wouldn't have been stacked up with that gal out the gate. She would have been put in some sort of different category, class, something. Oh, 100%. I, everything was pretty much stacked against me from the start. My, my coach bailing on me. Um, this particular opponent had dropped down a weight class. And, you know, when, um, when, when Rocky convinced me to go to nationals, he said, I know all the women in your weight class. You have, you're way stronger than them. You have way more stamina than them. Well, this woman had dropped down a weight class. Mm. And she way outmatched me. And then also they, apparently some rules, uh, or some years rather, uh, body shots counted for points and other years they didn't. Well, this year they didn't. And nobody told me that. So the reason the fight got called in the middle of the second round was for uh, a rule they have that's called 13 unanswered punches. So if if an opponent takes 13 unanswered punches, they're going to call it. Well, she was punching me. And I was returning them, but I was returning them with body shots. So they didn't count. So they called it in the middle. And I had no idea what happened. Oh, I'd be pissed. (laughs) I I wanted to lose, you know, like I'd rather actually lose right and, and go, go all three rounds than get it called on me for yeah but if everybody's listening what i want them to totally understand is you still got in the fucking ring and i was right. still ranked six in the u.s nice badass yeah i mean because because a lot of people may have not have made that same choice but w- this was before you did the whole israeli thing so we're starting to see that you either got a wild side or you're batshit crazy somewhere along the way either way i like it so far <laughs> <laughs> all right so 
you come back from, you know, Israel and all of that, you're trying to acclimate, you're trying to figure out, you're now doing Krav Magra, which is a badass style of martial arts, um, very much taught in a lot of the militaries, more of you, let's get after it style of fighting. Um, what happened from there? So I, I discovered Krav Maga because I already knew what it was from the time that I'd spent in Israel, and I already had a background in, you know, fighting arts. Um, I had a lot of time on my hands, and uh, quite frankly, was was pretty messed up in the head uh, over the loss of my my brother. And uh, I didn't have a job yet. I, w I was living back with my mother, and I thought I'm going to go try out this this Krav Maga gym in San Antonio, Texas, actually. And I went in and I tried a class. In the very first class, I signed up and uh, started going pretty religiously. And about a month into that, the owner of the school approached me and asked me to join the instructor training program. So, I mean, at that time, because Krav Maga is still not wildly known outside of military circles or some very intimate you know, martial arts um, you know, stuff. Were you the only female in the program at that time? Not at all, actually. There really? were several other females and uh, a couple of them uh, on the higher ranking side as well. Very cool. All right. So now you get into the training program and you're going to be an instructor of Krav Maga. So if you guys haven't figured out, this girl can whoop the shit out of me that I blink it twice. <laughs> and all five foot two of her. Yes. No. Um, so now you're going to go the instructor route. I mean, why? Why go that route? Um, I liked the idea of helping empower people, um, especially women. Um, and I, I guess I've always just had a little bit of a feisty side to me. <laughs> you got little girl syndrome. It's like little little dog syndrome, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I like it. Because I was a growing up, I was a competitive figure skater and a ballerina. Okay, so competitive figure skater, ballerina, two very competitive, very athletic sports, but are meant for more of your princess style status to beating the shit out of people. You know, that's a hell of a crossover and changeover. Absolutely. You just like flying by the seat of your pants. Absolutely. And let me guess, you only date seven foot tall guys. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you little feisty people. Holy hell. <laughs> Okay. All right. So where do we go from here? So now you're doing instructor training and, and carrying on. And I'm still bartending and waitressing. And um, then all of a sudden I looked up and six years had gone by. Um, and well, I never ended. I did. That's, a that? rough six, that's a rough six years. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know the lifestyle that comes with that. You know, it's, it's one foot in the bed and you're pulling it right back out and going to sling more drinks. Yep. You know, that's exactly right. Yeah. I only did it for two years. Yeah. Yeah. I only did it for two years before I woke up. So you're just a slow learner. We're going to, we're going to blame that. <laughs> <laughs> six years. I, I couldn't survive six years. Not, not with the level of partying we were doing um, at oh, that yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, all right. Six years. That's a long time. It was a long time. <laughs> I have lots of great stories from Oh, there. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and then you got done bartending and made a million dollars and sailed off into the sunset. Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's how every bartender's story ends. <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's the story you believe is going to happen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right. So where'd we go after the bartending? Um, I, I decided that, well, I had gone back up to Calgary, which is where I grew up, Calgary, Alberta. Um, my oldest brother, uh, who's still alive, of course, um, got married. So I went up to Calgary uh, for his wedding and I, you know, connected with some old friends and an old roommate and everybody started kind of planting the seed in my mind that I should go up to Calgary to start a Krav Maga program because it didn't exist. Mm. And, you know, Calgary is the sixth largest city in Canada. It's got a lot of oil money. Um, and things started kind of lining up for me to, to do that. And I really wanted to leave San Antonio and I really wanted to um, spread my wings a little bit. I love my mom, but I was too old to be living with her. Um, so I came back from that trip from Calgary with this idea in my head that I should go start a Krav Maga satellite program up there because I had a, an attorney friend who was going to do all the legal work for me. I had an artist friend who was going to create the website for me. Um, I had connections to the Jewish Community Center in Calgary because I grew up in it. Um, I thought I could easily start a satellite program out of, out of the Jewish Center. Um, it, it just all kind of made sense in my mind. And, you know, from my years of teaching Krav Maga in San Antonio, I'd made some connections with uh, a gentleman who actually owns a licensing company and he's based in Los Angeles for Krav Maga. And uh, contacted him and I asked him, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. Can I come out to LA, get my next instructor belt and get all the licensing paperwork that I need to head on up to Calgary? And he said, yeah, sure, come on out. So I literally packed all my stuff in my car and uh, drove from San Antonio to LA and uh, I was supposed to be there for two weeks. I got my next instructor belt. And um, then I ended up being offered the position of managing the licensing company I was going to get licensed <laughs> through. So I thought, hmm, do I move to Canada and freeze my ass off? Yeah, it's cold up there. Who wants to go up there? <laughs> so cold. Or do I stay in Southern California where it's always beautiful? Right, right. Manage the company that I was actually going to get licensed through. So. You know, I the, I made the decision to to do the latter, and it was it was a fabulous decision. I've had a an amazing six years. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I mean, either they saw a sucker coming, or yeah. they saw somebody with talent. And they're like, "Watch this!" It was probably a drink party somewhere between two a couple of buddies going, "I'm going to get her to run this whole damn place." You watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's that's pretty cool. I mean, so what about all the people up in Canada? Were they they upset that you didn't make the move up there? I mean, you know, you had family up there with your brother and everything. Was, was there disappointment or was there was there? Hey, she's finally choosing her path. Um, a, a little bit of both. I feel like actually, I know there were some some people that were disappointed, but other people that that were happy for me and the decision I made. And the truth is, is that my older brother ended up getting laid off from his job about a year and a half after I was in LA and he's now back in the United States and I'm closer to him now than if I was up in Calgary. Right. 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 So very cool. So now for the past six years, you've been teaching Krav Maga, whooping asses and yeah. having fun. Are you competing at all? Um, I haven't competed. Um, 
in any way, actually. Uh, I think I'll, I'll leave it at six in the U.S. in boxing. <laughs> um, I have, uh, you know, leveled up in my rank. I now have a black belt in Krav Maga. Um, so that was quite an accomplishment. And um, I just recently took a certification, call it a force certification, um, to be able to teach it, to, to teach Krav Maga to uh, military and law mm, enforcement. So cool. I had to get pepper sprayed in the face and no strike pads. It was lots of fun. Once you go through a gas chamber in the military, pepper spray is not all that bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and, and once you realize that. So where does this feistiness, because when you're a little person like you are, I'm just being funny, you know, <laughs> five foot two, right? Um, uh, where does all this feistiness and fight come from? Is, is, are you picking a fight with yourself, picking a fight with the world? I mean, that's a mindset battle that you're fighting somewhere. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a valid and deep question. You're um, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Donnie's world. Um, well, truthfully, I, I think that, uh, I definitely have an, an internal fire. I, I could equate it to anger in a, in a way. Um, you know, I told you that I, I lost my brother, but what I didn't tell you is that it, when I was 18, I lost my father um, and it was uh, to suicide, unfortunately, and a pretty crazy story behind all that. Um, but then nine years later, it, that affected me a lot. Um, and then nine years later, when my brother passed away, it happened to be the same month. Oh. So it was, uh, it was tough to take. And um, that's, something you don't really recover from. I mean, I've, I've, I've learned to deal with it and I think I've done a pretty good job in terms of where I, where I could be in life. Right. Um, but it, it definitely, it's something that's always there. Well, what I like about this is, is a lot of people are looking for outlets. You know, they're going through shit in life. They've been through shit whether it's the military, growing up, abuse, whatever the shit they've gone through, they're always looking for some sort of outlet. You call it escape, whatever else. I really enjoy the fact that you took it to the bag um, and you took it to a martial art, which gives you a tangible skill and a real outlet. And, you know, because growing up, you know, my parents sent me to go see a psychiatrist because I was a punk ass kid in high school and fights and everything else. And the dude told me to throw a piece of ice against the wall. And when it broke, that was supposed to be like this release. Yeah, no, it was more fun to crack somebody upside the head, you know, growing up because it was a hell of a lot more release. It got me in more trouble. But, you know, so but I love the fact that that you found this this organized outlet to get this out, because a lot of people crawl into a bottle, they crawl into pills, they crawl into whatever else. Um, but you chose to funnel maybe this internal rage, fire, whatever into this specialty how much do you think that is really transformed and, and shaped you because from a mindset aspect um you've had to really evolve and level up your game to find the discipline to keep moving forward absolutely you know so um, go ahead now let's say is is how have you found that next gear? Cause there's so many people that are looking for that. They're looking for something to put that anger, that fear, that madness, whatever towards. How did you find that, that gumption to push in that direction? I didn't see, I didn't see any other option to be honest. Um, it was either be strong and carry on 
or don't. Mm. Mm. That's tough, but everybody gets there. And when you're stacked up against it, you know, you have two choices and, and you honestly made the badass choice to freaking run and gun, which I fucking love. So where's all this taking you? I mean, you've been on a ridiculously uh, a crazy ass ride of Florida, Canada, France, um, boxing and getting your ass whooped. I mean, losing on technicality. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, to Krav Maga, choosing not to go to the freaking cold ass Canada. Canada, <laughs> I can't talk Canada. And then hanging out in Southern California, you know, teaching, you know, Krav Maga and the whole licensing thing. Where? What's the next adventure? I mean, where's all this going? Well, um, I, so I've also taken on the role, uh, along with managing the Krav Maga Alliance of the director of the strike fit program, which I told you about, which is right. our fitness version on a heavy bag kickboxing program. And I've recently now been, uh, picked up and partnered with an upcoming, uh, product that is, uh, it's a, it's a freestanding heavy bag that kind of is the end all to all the freestanding heavy bags that are out there on the market right now. Okay. Um, that's actually what I'm in New York doing right now is overseeing, helping to oversee production on this bag. And, and what uh, makes this bag so special? Cause when I think of a heavy bag, I'm still thinking the old canvas hang hung by chains, you know, well, you know, hanging bags, uh, especially for people that are, are real fighters are, are the preference. Um, but, Freestanding bags free up a lot of room for for gyms and dojos that don't have the space because once it's a hanging bag room, it's a dedicated hanging bag room. You can't move those things unless you have a very very expensive rig, and those are hard to find. And very yeah, those bags are heavy as hell. <laughs> yes, they are. So the majority of freestanding bags that are out there right now um, are water filled at the base, and they crack and they leak, mm. and they're short and you can kick them over and um that they're hard to move around you know you have to tilt them on their side and roll them off the mat and they're they're just not that great of a training equipment piece um so this particular bag um is the same height and circumference as a hanging bag um the base is incredibly secure uh it's not filled with water and it's not going to go anywhere um, there's some wheels that are up on the side, uh, slightly elevated. So you can just grab the top of the bag, you know, put your foot on the base, crank it over and wheel it off. Like very you would a dolly. Yeah, exactly. That's yep. exactly right. It's very easy to maneuver around. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's the, the foam that it's made out of is got a nice feel to it. Um, I love so the it, fact y'all hear that she punched her hand when she said that. <laughs> She just wants to punch somebody. <laughs> so did you design this thing? I mean, were you part of the, how, how'd you get involved with all this? I cannot take credit for the design. Um, but you can take credit for beating the shit out of it. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, so what's your role with all this whole thing? Um, I've been hired to basically be the face of it. Mm. And... Um, and we're going to be partnering eventually with with StrikeFit, with my program StrikeFit, as the instructor certification. Once we get these uh, bags into 
bigger box gyms. I'll be training all their instructors, but mainly on, on the face of it. Um, so it's, it's really, really exciting. Nice. And we're going to talk about you being the face of things here in just a second, but, um, cause you've got a lot of badass things coming up and we'll make sure we talk about. So, so the strike, talk to me about the, the strike. Um, is, is that your company that you have? What is that? Strike fit, um, is owned by my boss. Who's the founder of Krav Maga Alliance, which is okay. the licensing company. Yep. So he owns strike fit, which is, uh, registered name it's copyrighted um i have given intellectual property to the program but it was already in existence when i came to la gotcha um i have since taken it over i'm the only certifying instructor in the world right now okay um, so i've traveled all over the world and certified instructors and then given them the program um wow. Pretty fun. So you're kind of a badass. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're basically running a company. You're creating, becoming the face of this badass product. You're whipping the hell out of people for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're becoming almost a celebrity status with a lot of things you're doing. Did you see yourself getting here as a little kid? <laughs> <laughs> Not, not even a little bit. I couldn't, could never have predicted what's happening in my life right now. It's, uh, and w- what I want a lot of people to hear is she's finding a lot of success, but as on this journey, man, there's a lot of times that what we thought we were going to be as a kid and grow up and that, that so changes so drastically by life. And as you start learning more about yourself and discover what makes you a badass. And I freaking love the fact that you've kind of been like that river and gone where life takes you, but you've been grabbing life by the horns every chance you got and give it a hell. Um, which is really, really, really cool to see. So you're hanging out in New York, you're doing a photo shoot for this thing because you're a five foot two badass model esque. <laughs> Models are usually like these, you know, seven foot tall Amazon gals. So what's it like being five foot two hanging out with these with these other gals that are, you know, looking <laughs> down on you as, as you're doing it? Is it okay because you can whoop their ass? I mean, I'm <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, what's what's that whole getting close to celebrity lifestyle like for you? It's It's been interesting. You know, I've had a little bit of experience with it. Um, training celebrities uh, in LA, I've gotten hired to do a couple gigs and, and worked very closely with some, some pretty big names. And um, I mean, I have some funny stories about, about some celebrities. I don't know if I, I should say them. Yeah, probably not, <laughs> but, but I'm sure you do. Um, um, Do they, but, they at least partner you up with other celebrities that are close to your height because they always look taller on screen. Yo. Yeah, they do. Actually, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised at how uh, short some of the celebrities that I've yeah. met are. I'm, I'm looking them in the eye. <laughs> 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 Not looking up. Right, right, right. So, I mean, how much has all this changed your life um, with everything you have going on? I am, I'm very excited for the future, but I honestly, I feel like I'm, I'm still me. Um, I still have, you know, long, long time, long-term friendships that I continue and I am just trying, I mean, I'm just a normal person trying to pay my student loans off. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that's awesome so it's not all glam glitz and glory guys it is uh, not <laughs> it's not at all so let's talk a little bit about what this big thing you have coming up here in the very very near future as we get ready as we're recording this and get ready to release this out to the general public talk to us a little bit about what you're getting into or what the you're into yeah 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 uh well uh this is also another thing i i never ever saw coming but i'm now as soon as you say that all the guys listening to this are going to want to jump over to youtube to see the the video side of this thing so just so you know <laughs> go ahead <laughs> um i'm currently in the running for the maxim cover girl of 2019 and uh i have been dominating the group that i'm in actually i've been number one in my group through every single cut and uh, there is there was about twenty thousand women at the start of this contest, and they've already cut seventeen thousand five hundred. Um, I we're about to get to the number one, top one in each group, which will be this upcoming Thursday. Um, and then after that, it goes to quarterfinals, and then all all the groups will be reassembled, and it'll all be number ones because there's about five hundred groups. So there'll be 500 number ones moving forward and some of the number twos that they put into a wild card round is what they're calling it. And the winners from that round will also join us in quarterfinals. Um, and man, they really draw it out. Like this contest. No kidding. <laughs> September 2nd. And uh, the. So what's the rules for this thing? I mean, is it you're just you're a hot, good looking gal and they're going to put you on the cover or is there more to it? Um, that's, uh, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> you know, when I, when I applied, I, I saw the contest. Okay. So I did a shoot for myself for my birthday present to myself. And I never had any intention of this contest. Three days later, after I'd received my photos, uh, I saw the contest and I thought, why the hell not? What else am I going to do with these? So, because well, obviously you're already in shape because you're doing all the martial arts, Krav Maga, and everything else. So, makes sense. Yeah, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, to cherish, cherish the moment. I can look <laughs> back and say, remember, remember when. So, when you're in your sixties, you're like, that's what I used to look like. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Got it. <laughs> that's so awesome. um, it's funny. So I, um, I entered the contest, but you had to submit a couple photos. You had to upload a couple photos and then they wanted you to write a small biography, very small. They and that's a, why a lot of the women were eliminated because no. they had to write. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. You got to see. I know that's horrible, but. Special, but. Uh, there's special secret talents and uh, I'll get, I'll get back to that because it cracks me up. <laughs> Um, but the, the truth is, is that I had uploaded a couple of my photos and I hadn't quite written my bio yet and the screen disappeared. I never pressed submit or anything. It just disappeared on me. And it was a little late at night and I thought, you know, I'm tired. I'll do this tomorrow. I'll worry about it tomorrow. And I went to sleep. Well, I woke up in the morning and, you know, went about my day and then I was getting ready to go resubmit the photos and, and actually write the bio. And I got an email from them saying I was already accepted. But I didn't even submit. So <laughs> I took that as a sign. But uh, then I went ahead and built my, my bio and everything. Uh, but they ask you, you know, for your, your hidden talent, your secret talent. So I mean, some of these girls are 
cracking me up because one one girl wrote her secret talent was cuddling with kittens. <laughs> so along those lines, when I worked for a sales training company, we made a mistake of putting a job out on Craigslist saying, hey, we're looking for an additional salesperson. I can tell you that the cuddles with kitten doesn't surprise me because we got resumes back with pictures attached to them. Oh my goodness. And I'll leave it at that and let people assume whatever they want with those pictures. Oh no. But let's say we never went to <laughs> Craigslist ever again to wow. try to hire anybody. So so what goes through people's minds blows me away. Um, but if you're trying to get on the cover of Max Magazine, cuddling with kittens is not the skill set that's going to get you there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people crack me up. So so now they're narrowing down the field. You've already beat out 17,500 other probably gorgeous women that are going after it. Um, and now you're competing and I can't do math, but that's like 2,500 left to go or something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to get this all figured out. Um, and the finals for the, so the next round happens. What's the date of the actual date of it? October 10th, Thursday, the 10th will be top one. Okay. And so uh, I'm currently in position one. I need to stay there to bit to make that top one cut. And then I'll go on to quarterfinals. Cool. And then how does everybody go vote? I'm assuming the general public is has some vote in this. It's, it's all voter based, actually. It is okay. 100% voter based. Um, so, so it's somewhat of a popularity contest, which means you need as many people as possible to crash the polls that keep yes. you in that top position. Yes. And also the thing that I love most about this contest actually is that it supports wounded warriors. It, uh, mm, the support there you go, boys. Uh, homes for wounded warriors and it, it falls right in line with, with my philosophy and, and who I am because I actually volunteer every year for a program in, in Colorado called challenge Aspen military, uh, opportunities. And I go out there every year for a week and go cross-country adaptive skiing with uh, nice. wounded pets. And it's Very all cool. the best week of my year, every time. Um, so I'm, I'm in love with the fact that it's a, a contest that's helping support a cause I, I really believe in. Um, but yes, it is 100% voter-based, so I need, I need you to make me popular. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only competing with guys like Joe Rogan and stuff. No, no big deal. <laughs> you know, so guys do me a favor champions. Let's, let's back, get back behind her. Um, uh, I wouldn't have taken this interview had it been Allie not throwing her name in the hat. Um, so quick, you guys know I'm backlogged on guests and everything. So do me a favor. Let's throw some support behind her because the exposure, like any of us would want for our businesses, that kind of exposure can skyrocket a lot of very, very, very cool things. So, and you never know where karma comes. You know, when you put that kind of karma behind someone who's a genuinely good person that's got a good story, is not trying to live life by her looks, is legitimately running a business, you know, and behind some products and stuff. Throw a little love her way. How do people find out where to vote at? Um, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram because um, the link is right in my bio there. And, and my your Instagram, Instagram profile? It's just my name. It's at Rachel Greenbaum. So it's R-A-C-H-E-L-G-R-E-E-N-B-A-U-M. Cool. The so, link is right there in the bio and people can vote every single day. And I, I, I need those daily votes 
And guys, we'll put all that in the show notes for you as well. So we can make sure that, that we can get her as much exposure as possible. Um, Rachel, this has been a hell of a ride. It's been a hell of a story. Um, here's how I like to wrap up every episode. And I do stump some people. So stand by for this. All right. If you were going to leave the champions who listen to the show with a quote, a phrase, a mantra, a saying, something they can take with them on their journey, especially when they're stacked up against it. What's that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. I'm, I, I am ready because I... You listened to my other episodes. episodes. <laughs> so I did my homework and I'm prepared. And I love it. I love it. Hit me. I'd like to leave you with a quote by Jim Rohn. Uh, we must all suffer from one of two pains. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The difference is the pain of discipline weighs ounces while regret weighs tons. Mm. I fucking love Jim Rohn. He is one of the greatest speakers, motivational guys, the guy who taught Tony Robin, or Tony Robbins. He is an absolute flippant genius. Rachel, thank you so much for doing this. Much love, girl. I, I really wish you the best of luck on this thing. And uh, I expect an autograph bag coming my way soon. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and a magazine. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, you keep rocking and rolling, girl, and, and keep us updated with everything that's going on. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. And the ground is no place for a champion. Holy hell in a handbasket. What a flipping awesome episode. You talk about a powerhouse, freaking spitfire, you know, just a badass young lady that's kicking ass and taking names. Um, I love that spunk. I love how we talked about specifically that she was, you know, taking on her kind of own mental games and leveling it up through Krav Maga and other martial arts. I'm just impressed with her and her story. Um, guys, go give her some love out there in that Maxim competition. Um, and freaking go get the votes in for her. And let's see if we can't help her out get to the top. I'm, I'm, I think it's a really, really cool thing that not only is she a beautiful gal, she's got the brains to back it up. And, and that's a one-two punch, if you ask me. And then, you know, if you got any value out of this episode, share it with a friend. And tell them to come, hey, you should really listen to the show. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I love meeting and talking to new people. And come hang out in our, in our Facebook group, Success Champions. This is where all the badasses hang out. We are rising together and all kinds of fun stuff's going on. So thank you guys as always for tuning in. I love the fact that you still listen and enjoy the show as much as I love putting it together. Thanks so much. Run like hell and continue being badasses. Later. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand 
that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals. Go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success because that's what it means to be a success champion.